welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by senior from the Yale women's hockey team, Emma Seitz. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Emma. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, how's everything going for yourself? Obviously, you just finished off your career with Yale, so how weird is it to sort of be an alumni, I guess, now? I don't even if you would consider yourself that. Um, yeah, it's very weird. I've been playing hockey my entire life since I was literally four years old, so it's a weird switch. Um, I don't know if I'm going to keep playing or not after this, but at least for now, my college hockey career is done, and I'm temporarily retired, which is a very strange feeling. Well, I kind of want to start off this podcast talking about the beginning of your hockey career and sort of working all the way up to where you are today, if that's okay with you. So uh, doing research on yourself, it says that you're from New York City. So talk about growing up there and how did you start playing hockey? Yeah, um, I am from New York City, like midtown Manhattan. So as as New York City as they come, um, I love New York. It's a huge part of who I am, um, but obviously it's not a normal hockey birthplace. Um I grew up, I have a twin brother, um, and he's very important to my hockey journey. The two of us grew up skating literally in Central Park, like outdoors, um, at Woolman Rink, and we just fell in love with hockey, and from there, it was just a crazy journey <laughs> that we all went on. Um, there's not a lot of hockey in New York City, but we were able to commute to and from teams in like Westchester, New Jersey, Connecticut. So my family grew very close over the years because we were just making it work. How far are those drives that you have to take uh, to from the city to like Connecticut? Far. Um, anywhere from like 45 minutes to like two hours. Um, and that was for like home practices. So tournaments were even worse. Now, who was your favorite player growing up? I'm assuming it was someone on the Rangers, but besides, uh, maybe it was a women's hockey player on the national team. I'm just curious, uh, who was someone that you admired growing up? Um, this is kind of a, a crazy answer. The one person I always used to watch like YouTube videos was Bobby Orr. Um, kind of a throwback. I feel like when I was younger, there were fewer like offensive defensemen than there are now in the NHL. Like now, I obviously try to model my game off of like Makar and Adam Fox, but. Back then, I think it was a little more normal to just have six defensive defensemen. So that was the I would always just watch YouTube videos of Bobby Orr, like rushing the puck all the way up the ice and scoring. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm a huge Bruins fan, so I, I used to sort of watch some of his highlights. And my favorite NHL commercial of all time was when they did the playoffs. And I forgot the exact name of it, but they would reverse the Bobby Orr flying goal. And, oh, like, what if Bobby never flew? And it was, like, my favorite commercial of all time. And I just remember the call, like, Bobby Orr. And the Bruins yeah. win. The, it's, like, ingrained in my brains because of that commercial. So a big Bobby Orr guy myself. Yeah, he was very cool. Just such a dynamic skater. That was, like, always what I – that was, like, the one skill I had from a young age. And, like, that was, like, cool to watch someone who used that as a D. Yeah, I was reading about him a few weeks ago, and I, one thing I found interesting was how he sort of got screwed over by his agent because he was going to sign with the Bruins, but his agent never told him about that offer, and he signed with Chicago oh. instead. And I guess the Bruins offered him, like, some ownership stake in the team, and that would have been worth, like, millions of dollars today, and he never talked to his agent again, and that's why he's an agent uh, today. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I never knew of that. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I'm very much a Rangers fan, so it's – Kind of embarrassing that my favorite player is a Bruin, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We should have, like, Adam Fox and other guys to cheer for now. Yeah, our team's pretty good this year. Well, before college hockey, you played for the New Jersey Colonials. Um, How did you get the opportunity to play with that team and just talk about your experience there? Yeah, so that was my first girls hockey team. Um, before that, I played boys with my twin brother. Um, so we played for the Westchester Express, and that was really, like, my first – like, that was the team where I, like, learned how to play defense. But when I played boys hockey, I was, like, such a defensive defenseman because I had no choice. Like, I was smaller than everyone else, and, like, everyone else was faster than me, so I would just, like, do what I could to not get beat. Um, and then I switched to girls. So I went to the Colonials partially because my brother was switching to the New Jersey Avalanche. Um, so we were just trying to, like, be close to each other so my parents could get us all to our practices. Um, and I just remember... The Colonials, that was a great organization. It was kind of the first time I, like, had fun playing hockey. Like, it was my first girls team. It was very social. I made some really amazing friends there. Um, 
And hockey-wise, I just really was like, whoa, like I need to completely change my game and learn how to play girls hockey now because there's a completely different style. Um, and I would just kind of get the puck and like not know what to do. I had way too much time and space and I had no like stick handling skills or anything. So that was kind of the place where I really taught myself how to be a women's hockey defenseman. I, yeah, what's sort of the biggest adjustment from boys to girls hockey? Because from what I think, it's probably just the physicality, but there's probably other aspects of the game that I'm not sure of just because I'm not playing women's hockey. So what were some of those aspects that you had to adjust to when you made that transition? Yeah, I mean, obviously, boys hockey was very fast. Um, and I was a good skater, so I was always able to keep up with the boys. Then I went to girls, and I was like, oh, I can, like, use my speed to create offense and not just, like, to survive. <laughs> so part of that for me was, like, as a boys hockey D, I had never developed, like, stick handling skills or shooting skills. And I got to girls, and I was like, oh, I need that stuff to be a good two-way defenseman in this game. Um so that was the biggest adjustment for me, I think, just was, like, going from playing a faster game to a slower game where, like, I could be a different type of D. Well, talk about your favorite memory you have with the Colonials when you look back on that experience today. Definitely my favorite memory. So I was, I want to say, I think I I always played up in girls hockey, so I think I was, like, I must have been 13 playing on a U16 team, and we made the quarterfinals of nationals. It was like the first time I like had was on a good team in women's hockey, um, and my team was awesome. I, there were actually a lot of um, girls on that team that played NCAA's later, and we were just a really good group. And it was like a very fun experience. I think it was in Michigan that year, so I just remember going out there and like making a run, and we lost. I think like one to zero in the quarterfinal. <laughs> so sad, but it was that was a very fun experience and I think like that was kind of the first time I had been exposed to like really high level girls hockey like so it was nice to see what was out there you then made the transition to the Connecticut polar bears which I think is a great team name um talk yeah. about what made you want to transition uh junior teams and how did that experience with the CT polar bears help prepare you for college hockey um, I think the biggest thing that year was, so I have a younger sister, so she's two years younger than me, and that was the year we were like, okay, we're going to play together, because we had never played together. I'd always played with my brother, um, and then when I switched to girls, I was usually playing up, and she was playing her age. So we were really just looking for a team where the two of us could play together, um, partially for the driving, but also just because, like, it was a very cool thing, um, and I was already committed to college. So at that point, like, that year was kind of just about, like, having fun and playing with my sister. So that was a fun year for sure. Now, you also were a member of the U18 women's team for Team USA in the series against Canada. I want to ask you about that experience because not many players get the chance to represent their country. So talk about the experience of getting the chance to represent Team USA and what you took away from that. Uh, yeah, that was obviously a very cool experience. I think, again, like, my women's hockey world was sometimes very small, and I was usually just, like, the best player on every team I was on because there wasn't that much good women's hockey in my area. Um, and I actually stayed. Like, I just went to public school in New York City. I wasn't, like, going to Shattuck or moving anywhere crazy for hockey. So, like, I think any chance for me that I got to just, like, play with players that were – as good as or better than me was just so cool. It was like, whoa, like <laughs> places like Minnesota and Wisconsin and even like Massachusetts, like have other women's hockey players that are like at this level. And that I think was the coolest part of that. I mean, obviously it's cool to like pull the jersey on, but I think that was just another time where I was like, whoa, like women's hockey does exist at a very high level in this country. And I think that got me very excited for playing in college. I have to ask, where are the public schools in New York City? Because every time I go there, it seems like they're always hidden. I feel like everyone goes to, like, Queens or something to go to school. Yeah, no, my public school is actually in Manhattan. Um, it's on, like, 96th Street, so, like, right in the middle. I used to take the subway to school. Um, it's, like, very much just, like, a public school in the middle of the city. Um, I was just, it was really important to me to stay in New York because I just really liked it here. And I was kind of always like, oh, like the hockey will work out if it's meant to work out. And otherwise, I'm just going to focus on school and like living the life I want to live. Um, and I went to that school with my brother. Also, it was harder for him, but he also <laughs> graduated from that school and then played junior hockey, which was like a really weird thing for a boys hockey player to do. Yeah. I'm assuming you have teammates who are from the suburbs in the middle of the country. How diff do you ever talk about your experience living in the city versus yes. theirs, like living in the country and just how different it is? 
It's so different, and I'm, like, so bad. Like, I think everything's a suburb. I go to, like, New Haven, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, so small and suburban. <laughs> it's like, obviously, it's not. It's a city. Um, I think I've learned a lot playing on hockey teams with people from other parts of the country. I think that's really, like, opened my eyes to, like, just different ways of living, because growing up, all my friends were city people. Um, I think that's, like, a really cool thing about hockey is, like, you just meet people who are different from yourself and just learn a lot and grow in that way. Yeah, I get all the time, like, are you actually from New York? Like, (laughs) I brought my teammates to New York, and they're like, no way, you, like, actually lived here and played hockey. Um, But I did. Um, it's, It's a good story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And one fun fact about yourself, I was reading on your bios, you were a ball person in the U.S. Open. What year yeah. was this and how did you get what was how did you get that opportunity? That was like the coolest job of all time. Um, I think I did it for I did it for a while. I did it for five years, I think, starting when I was 13. Um, it was this crazy thing. So my my family's a big like tennis and golf family. Like my grandpa is the editor of Golf Digest. So like we always kind of like went to the U.S. Open and we just like sort of found out that like you could try out to be a ball person, which is like such a weird thing. So I went to this tryout and they make you like run and prove that you're athletic and can like throw a ball. And then I got selected to do it. So for like five summers, I got to just work at the tournament and it's amazing. Like you get to see the best tennis players in the world. Um, and like as an elite athlete, that actually like taught me a lot about like the type of mentality you have to have to be really good at sports. It's also just like sweet. You get free clothes, free food. Like you're out there every day. You can just like go walk into the semifinals and watch with like your credentials. That was just like such a cool like New York thing, but also something that like taught me a lot about sports and success. Any cool uh, celebrities you got to see like in the stands? Because I know a lot of them go to those things. That's a good question. I don't. I was always more focused on like the tennis players. It's like whoa, yeah. like saw Serena Williams. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know about celebrities. Did you get to like interact with any of the tennis players, or you're not allowed to? Like, I'm assuming like if Federer versus Nadal, that must be cool to sort of like give Roger Federer his ball back or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not allowed to like talk to them, but like you definitely interact with them. Um, some of them are, like it's funny the different personalities that they have. Like some of them are like really like kind of mean and like just asking for a million things. And some people were so nice and like very. So you do interact with them and you learn a lot about people's personalities for sure. It's like creates very good stories. Yeah, I don't know too much about tennis, to be honest with you. The only guy I know is, I think his name, it starts with a K, but he's, like, super, like, pers- he has a big personality, and oh, I don't yeah. know. That's the I forgot his name. <laughs> yeah. He seems like a cool dude, so I would say probably him, even though he freaks out whenever he loses. Yes, exactly. And the ball person has to, like, clean up, <laughs> the, like, broken tennis rackets. <laughs> but, um... I do want to ask you some questions about your family because I feel like you're sort of underestimating how good your hockey family is. Your brother plays for Princeton, another Ivy League school. That must be a fun rivalry between you two. But uh, you also had a sister that played hockey as well. So what was it like growing up in a hockey family? And do you have any funny stories with your siblings? Yeah, it was so fun. So my dad played hockey at Yale also, um, and that's kind of how we got into hockey, even though we were in New York. Um, it was never like we were forced to play hockey. We like we were just played every sport, and hockey just happened to be the one that we liked the most. But um, it was just, like, amazing to play hockey with my siblings. We're all really close, and I think, like, hockey is a big reason for that. Like, we just – and I was the one that actually got to play with both of them, so I had the best, <laughs> the best experience of all because um, I played with my brother for probably – 10 years and then my sister um for one year and we also like were we played at the colonials together even on different teams so just getting to share those experiences was so special um and then obviously like being a legacy at Yale was something that like I wasn't really thinking about when I was getting recruited I was just like oh like this is the school I like but like as I went through my four years at Yale that actually became something that I found very meaningful like going to the same school and even like wearing the same number that like my dad wore there um was kind of a really cool part of my college hockey experience you and your dad ever tease your brother about princeton at all yes <laughs> <laughs> but you know like didn't really recruit him so it was just that's the way it worked out but we do it it is like a very strong yale family with one princeton kid <laughs> Uh, from what I've been told is Princeton has the nicest campus out of all the Ivy Leagues. I've only been to Harvard, so I can't say that for sure, but I remember someone telling me he thought Princeton was the nicest campus out of all the Ivy, Ivy League schools. That's what my brother would say. Um, I, I think there's some truth to that. I 
personally liked Yale more because it was like more of a city school and that was like what I was used yeah. to. Um, but Princeton is gorgeous. Um, and obviously Hobie Baker rink is like a hundred years old and just such a cool like location with so much hockey history. So I'm, I'm partial to Princeton as well, even though I picked Yale. Yeah, I think Harvard has a cool campus because it's like in the city, but not in the city. So it's sort of like yeah. balances each other out a little bit. So, um, obviously though, like, uh, for you, it's probably like you can't stand that campus at all being from Yale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, Harvard is the one I'm like, eh, I don't really have good things to say about it. <laughs> Prince we'll and talk I a little bit about, we'll talk a little bit about your recruitment process to Yale. What made you want to go there when you were looking at it versus the schools you might have looked at? Yeah, so, I mean, I got recruited so young, it's crazy, like, looking back. I think I was, like, probably 13, 14 when it started, which is, like, so not how it happens now. So, to some extent, I, like, probably did not know what I was doing at all. Um, but, like, for my my family was always very education-focused, and for us, it was very easily, like, narrowed down to, like, oh, if Ivies want you, like, why would you not go to an Ivy and get that degree? So, um, I remember looking – the only non-Ivy that I really liked was Northeastern – um, and they're obviously good at hockey, so that was a hard one to say no to. But I just remember going to Yale and like falling in love with the campus. Like, I feel like it's a cliche. They're like, oh, when you like, if you know, you know. Like, when you go, you'll get a feeling. But that kind of is what happened to me. Um, I just remember going and be like, being like, oh, like the school's amazing, the hockey's amazing. Um, although it wasn't as good at the time, but um, for me, it was more about just like that feeling. Like, this is where I can see myself being for the next four years. We'll get to Northeastern in a few minutes, unfortunately. But, uh, getting back to your freshman year a little bit, what was, like, the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey? I'm assuming it's just balancing hockey and school, especially at an Ivy League, because it's so, like, the workload so much compared to what I'm probably used to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, my high school was actually really good academically, um, and I was kind of, like, the crazy kid that played, like, I, I played soccer, basketball, and lacrosse at my high school, and also was playing club hockey, so I was kind of used to, like, the lifestyle of, like, so much school and so much hockey, so that was actually okay for me. Um, I think the the craziest thing for me was just, like, having to play defense, like, if that makes sense. I remember, like, when I played women's hockey or, like, growing up, like, U16, U19, I just kind of was, like, a rushing defenseman. I was like, oh, I'm just going to try to skate the puck through everyone and, like, do it all by myself. And then I got to college, and I was like, no, like, first of all, I need to, like, fit within my team. But also my team, like, was not that good. So, like, my main role quickly became, like, oh, I need to, like, play defense. (laughs) And that was something I had to learn um, my freshman year. Um, and I think, like, looking back, it's such a blessing that I got to play on a team that wasn't as good because I think that's, like, what turned me into, like, the two-way defense and that I, like, really pride myself on being now. Um, I just remember, like, there was one game we played at Cornell. It was, like, three shifts in the game we were losing, like, 3 nothing. <laughs> it was, like, probably, like, minus three. And I was just like, whoa, like, I need to figure this out. Um, so that was really, like, the thing for me my freshman year that I had to focus on and work on. And like you sort of mentioned, Yale, when you first arrived, wasn't the hockey school that it sort of is right now, at least regarding women's hockey. Uh, but I feel like the change happened from your freshman to your sophomore year. Uh, so talk about the improvements that your team made and what role did you play in that? Yeah, so for the first thing that happened after my freshman year was we got a new coach. Um, so that was a big change. Um just because the new coach came in and kind of, like, was, like, okay, we're going to, like, have a winning culture and we're going to, like, be a good hockey team. And that was something that, like, hadn't really existed at Yale in its, like, 50-year hockey history. Like, they never had a winning season. Um, so I think that was kind of just, like, when a switch flipped. It was, like, okay, we're going to, like, do something different here. Um, but the other thing that, like, was really special was my original recruiting class. Um, like, it's not, I don't think it was just me. It's, like, we had an amazing class for whatever reason that came in all together that year, and we were all very serious and focused on hockey. Um, and that was, like, really important to turning the program around. So when my class kind of met the new coach, it was like, oh, we can, like, do something special here and actually turn Yale into a hockey school finally. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that Yale's one of the oldest women's hockey teams like in the country. I think you might have had the first one, if I'm not mistaken, on that. Yes, um, I. It's funny, like it's there's a really really amazing history of women's hockey at Yale in terms of just like how long the history is and how many people have come through the program. But yeah, it was definitely not a program that had a lot of on ice success until 
literally my sophomore year. <laughs> well, your, the first step to that success was your first uh, ECAC playoff experience when you guys lost to Harvard. Uh, what did you learn from that series, and how did it make your team better for your junior and senior years? That was a really important series. Um, it was obviously heartbreaking. I think we lost the last game in like triple overtime or something. Um, so that was not fun at the time, but I think, so my freshman year, we had, we didn't even make the ECAC tournament. We finished in ninth. So our season was just done after the regular season. Um, and I think getting that playoff experience and it's nice that the ECAC does the like three game series because it makes it feel very, like it's a whole weekend of playoff hockey, and even though we lost, we got that, and that was so important to the next season when we like had a little more success in the playoffs because that was just like an experience that two full classes, three full classes of people who hadn't had it before, like had it going into that next year. Yeah, no, I totally, I, I get where you're coming from on the three game series, just because you get the whole weekend of playoff hockey. But I love the single elimination because it's just so much drama into one game and. Like, yeah. every play counts, and I don't know, there's something about that that I enjoy as well. No, it's definitely different. Um, if you ask me right now, I would say I prefer 3M series because the Flames <laughs> didn't go great for us this year, but um, I definitely think it's fun um, just having one game. Like, the stakes are very high, and it's easier to get people excited about it. Plus, it prepares you for the tournament, too, because that's what it's like. True. But I don't know. I think both work for each conference. Like, I think it should stay like Hockey East does the single elimination and ECAC should just do the series for the first round, at least. I think that, I think, in my opinion, I think that works out the best. Yes. And it's funny, they're changing, I think they're changing it next year to where all 12 ECAC teams make the playoffs. So then it's going to be like the boys' format where they play the one game. And then, the first yeah. round and then you get the bye. And, oh, okay, that's cool. Oh, so it's going to that, which is kind of interesting, like, because I had the experience freshman year of not making the playoffs at all. Um, so no one's going to have to do that again, <laughs> even though I do think, of, like, my team and my class learned a lot from that. It's, like, yeah, nice no, for to sure. play for in the regular season. Yeah, well, it makes the regular season a little more interesting when teams don't can't make the playoffs. But I do think it's important for those, like, bottom teams to, like, sort of grow to have that playoff yeah. experience. Um, because I think it just makes the conference as a whole much better. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Well, unfortunately, a thing called COVID happened in the middle of your college hockey career, and it sort of took away one season. Uh, so what did you do during that period when you would normally play games? Um, I know a lot of you guys took gap years, so I'm curious what you did during that time. And how did you sort of prepare for the junior your junior season once you sort of knew that you were going to come back and play? So, yeah, I took a gap year. Um, everyone at Yale took a gap year except for, I think, like, five people. So we were very much told, like, the Ivy League at least was told pretty early on, like, we are not playing games this year, um, which I think was different from most of the other college hockey programs in the country where it was kind of like, we don't know what's going to happen, but, like, you should enroll and, like, see, and we're going to try to play games. We were, It was very clear for us, like, there's no games that are going to happen. So... My response to that was, like, well, I'm not going to, like, waste a year. Because I did want – like, I felt very strongly that I wanted to, like, have a career at Yale, four years at Yale. I wasn't someone that was interested in, like, doing a grad transfer year, um, which, I mean, it's fine for people who did. But that was something that, like, didn't appeal to me personally. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to take this year off. Um, and it was definitely a weird year hockey-wise. I basically didn't skate at all, like, because I was just in New York and there were no rinks. <laughs> um, the rinks that we have were – basically closed because um, New York was hit very badly by the pandemic, especially early on. Um, so I just worked that year and it's actually like a really good year for my like personal development. Um, I worked at a nonprofit in New Jersey, like full time, um, which I mean, it was just like, I think I grew a lot as a person and I matured, which actually ended up helping me on the ice when I came back from my junior year. Cause I was just older and like had, I had a new appreciation for playing hockey because I actually did not play hockey for a year. So I think that was all in all, like, kind of a positive. Obviously, like, I couldn't have planned it that way, and I never would have taken a gap year if I wasn't forced to, but I think it worked out well for me, actually. Do you still have that extra year, or since you took that gap year, it doesn't count? Oh, it's very confusing. So if you took a gap year, the year was just kind of, like, it was just a nothing year. So I went into my junior year after the gap year with two years of eligibility left. If you played that year, it didn't count. So then you got so an you extra, that extra year. Oh, yeah. okay. It kind okay. of got screwed a little bit um, because, but, I mean, it was what it was. Like, there were teams that played 15 games that year, so it wasn't going to be fair to count that as a year for other people. But for us, it just worked out where we didn't get a fifth year at yeah. all. 
Well, there were some teams that legit had a legit season and got yeah. the kind of payment. So, <laughs> like, you, so you very much have to – you have five – some players that you got like five full years of college hockey. Yeah, exactly. Um, we obviously didn't get that opportunity, but more college hockey for other people I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that's I'm so confused with the eligibility, especially now since there's some players that have like two or three years left and other players have none. So I'm just trying to I'm just trying, especially with the Olympic <laughs> stuff too, with women's hockey, it's very difficult with some players to know how much they have. Uh... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can't even keep track of it. <laughs> now let's talk about your junior year, where you guys had a historical run to the Frozen Four. Um, at what point did, during the season did you realize your team was capable of being a Frozen Four team, and how did you sort of shake off the rust that you had of not skating at all that year uh, once you started practicing again? Looking back, like, I don't think I ever believed we were going to make the Frozen Four, um, which I think was, like, a fair thing to believe based on this year because I think when you get down to it in the playoffs, sometimes like, it's just luck. It just comes down to one game. Um, but I did know that it was, like, a special team. Um, and I think coming off the COVID year, like, a lot of people had had experiences similar to me where they just didn't get to skate a lot. Um, and I think for us, that kind of, like, brought us together, and we were like, okay, like, this is going to be a good year for us. Like, we had that love for hockey kind of in the forefront of our brains. Um, so the practices were very good. And we also just kind of, like, had a year to build off of for the first time, like my sophomore year when we made the ECAC playoffs and we were kind of like starting to be like a top 15 team in the country, which was a big difference from any team that had played at Yale before. So I think it was a good combination of like, oh, we can actually be a good team. And then as the season went on, we like got that confidence and were able to make a run at the end. Yeah, you guys in the ECAC tournament went all the way to the championship game and lost to Colgate. Uh, what did you take away from that tournament run and that playoff run and how to help prepare you for the following game against Colgate in the national tournament? It helped a lot um, just to play a lot of playoff games because I think then we were ready um, and it helped to play Colgate because we had to play Colgate in the NCAA tournament, which was kind of crazy. Um, so that was like the third time we had played them that season. Um and we beat them the first two times and then lost to them. So going into that NCAA tournament game, we had, like, a lot of good video and experience from playing Colgate. So that was a good um, set of games. Um, we also, like, did have to face adversity in that tournament. We actually lost the first game in the best of three um, quarterfinals that year against St. Lawrence. So we were playing elimination games kind of right off the bat, which was really good for us in terms of getting that experience and, like, really feeling like we were in the playoffs. Obviously, like you mentioned, your team won that game against Colgate. Talk about getting that tournament win on the road and uh, what it was like being a big rival and making it to your first Frozen Four. Yes, it was obviously crazy. Um, I think the Frozen Four was kind of like the one thing that I never thought was attainable for me. Go like When I picked Yale, I was like, okay, like I'm picking the school for academics and like maybe the hockey will get better, but like I never kind of even conceived that it could get to like that point um and I think the Frozen Four was like that was something I had like kind of grow I grew up like going to regionals because like my family was very much like a hockey family we would like go watch the men's regionals and like um it was just kind of like whoa like I'm actually going to the Frozen Four um and I think like my class and the class above us that year really kind of appreciated it because we were just like this is insane. Like, this is not something we thought was ever going to happen at Yale. And when it did happen, we actually did, like, understand kind of how crazy it was. And what was the Frozen Four experience like for you both on and off the ice? It was so cool. Um, I was, like, probably, like, just so, like, it was funny. Like, when we lost to High State in the semifinals, I was just kind of like, oh, whatever. Like, I made the Frozen Four. This is, like, the coolest thing of my whole life. Like, I didn't even care that we lost because it was just, like, that was kind of, like, something that I always saw as, like, the kind of the peak of college hockey. Um, and I think for women, like, college hockey is the peak of hockey, period. So I was just, like, such a cool experience, and I really think I, like, appreciated it, which I appreciated even more this year, like, not getting back, that I, like, had the right perspective when I was there last year. Yeah, I love the red carpet thing that they do, too. Yeah, it's like you feel so professional. I remember, like, getting interviewed, and, like, it's just, like, a very, very cool, well-done event. Yeah, for sure. Who do you think had the best outfit, pregame outfit, for the red carpet, besides yourself? It's never me. Um, <laughs> I'm very average style-wise. I think, ooh, I don't remember exactly what people wore. Usually it's Caitlyn Ripon. Um, she has very good style. Um, 
don't know though. We're we're kind of boring. Like we, their teams like Quinnipiac like kind of take it to another level with like the hats and <laughs> stuff like yeah. that. We keep it pretty pretty chill at Yale. I feel like though, if you want to look good, feel good, play good, that that I feel like that mentality, even though there's like no like science behind it, I feel like there's it there it it, it works at least for me. No, that's true. I always kind of like wanted to step up my style, and I was just like too lazy to ever like go shopping. <laughs> so as long as you're getting the job done on the ice, that's all that matters. But I do I do enjoy the pregame outfit stuff. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It's it's good visibility for the game too. We'll talk a little bit about that game against Ohio State. Even though you lost, um, obviously Ohio State ended up winning the whole thing, so at least you got to lose the eventual champion. But talk about what I guess what it was like uh, playing that team and uh, just that game itself. I mean, obviously it was very cool because it was the Frozen Four. Um, it was also just cool because it was actually like a very close game. Um, we basically probably would have won if we hadn't taken too many men on the ice penalty, which, I mean, it is what it is. But, like, I think for me just – we didn't like it's not like we went and got embarrassed it's like we went and we deserved to be there and that was kind of something I was very proud of um, because I felt like I picked Yale for the right reasons and like the fact that my class was able to turn Yale into a hockey school in like three years like that was kind of like the ultimate proof of that. Now being a senior on the team this year what type of leadership did you want to bring were you more of a vocal leader or lead by example type of player? I would say I'm a mix I think I definitely lead by example but I'm also like not I'm very willing to, like, get involved in conflict and, like, stand up for my teammates, and, like, people know that about me. So I think, um, especially at Yale, where, so we have, like, only one captain, which is different from a lot of other schools. I was not the captain. Um, So I think for me, it was, like, all about kind of, like, finding a way to support our captain and be, like, a good senior leader, like, within that structure, and that kind of is what I was focused on. And obviously, this past year, you guys were one of the top-ranked teams in the country, um, how did you maintain that consistency of winning games throughout the regular season, especially with a target on your team's back? Since you guys made it to that Frozen Four, so ECAC teams are now looking at you like, oh, we wanna we wanna beat Yale, and uh, for the most part, a lot of them couldn't. Only two losses throughout the regular season. So, uh, just talk about dealing with that pressure and maintaining that consistency. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience. This is the first year we kind of went into like, oh, we're a good team and other people know we're a good team. Um, it was an interesting year in the ECAC. I think more so than last year, there were kind of a couple top teams, which I maybe didn't realize at the beginning of the season, but we kind of like saw it at the end where like certain teams kind of separated themselves. Um, but I think it's like an amazing league and it's obviously very like I'm like almost the most proud that we won the regular season title because I think that's like the hard one of the hardest things to do in college hockey is win an ECAC regular season title and like the fact that we were like that consistent this year um despite not having success in the postseason to the extent we did last year is something that I'm really proud of and I think we like manage those expectations well actually. Yeah I was very surprised because I thought I'm not surprised that your team like did have success surprised that there wasn't any ECAC teams in the frozen four uh, I know there's always the debate between what's a better league, the WCHA or um, ECAC, and I thought at least one or two teams would have made it in and would have sort of like added some East Coast to Midwest uh, in the Frozen Four this year. So I was a little bit surprised about that. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> I'm always rooting for the ECAC. Um, for whatever reason, I think we just kind of struggled in the playoffs this year. Um, I don't know if like our regular season just wears us down a little more. I mean, also I always kind of forget like for a school like Yale, the week of the NCAA quarterfinals is like our midterm week so it's a hard week for us like academically also which I think is different from maybe some of the WCHA schools so we do deal with certain things that they don't deal with um, I think away from the rank and that makes it a little bit harder for us. We'll talk about a little bit more what it's like playing in the ECAC and just the competition you face every weekend because you guys do it sort of differently where you play two different teams on Friday and Saturday where most conferences play the same team um, every weekend. So how do you sort of manage that and game plan for opponents? Yeah, I think in some ways it's better and in some ways it's worse, right? Like it's hard to prepare for your Saturday opponent when you're focused on your Friday opponent all week, which like depending on the order of the teams you're playing, sometimes you are more worried about the Saturday team, but you can't like get focused on that team because then you'll lose on Friday because every team is good enough to win games in the league. Um, but at the same time, like I think – it's maybe harder for the WCHA teams to play two teams because, like, it is hard to face the same team twice in a weekend. And we did that a little bit this year with our out-of-conference games, and I found that to be almost, like, more challenging. Um, the thing about the ECAC that I love personally is, like, I think we have a very, like, 
fast skill based brand of hockey and that was like just really fun for me to play every game like that at that level. Who's the most underrated team in the ECAC from playing this year? Like I'm just curious, like what team doesn't get enough love? That's a good question. Um I would say this year probably St. Lawrence. I thought they were very, very good and they were kind of always seen as like middle of the pack. They had a couple really high end forwards that were hard to play against. Um also, Brown. I actually thought Brown was hard to play against. They have, like, some good young players, and I think they're kind of turning it around. Um, it's just taking a little while, and they don't get the love because they usually finish, like, ninth. <laughs> but they're better than the other bottom teams, I think. I could see them uh, turning that program around like you guys did, especially with some, like, the freshmen that they added, like you mentioned. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk a little bit more about your non-conference schedule because you guys got to have some cool experiences. You got to go to Vegas this year and play in a tournament where your team beat Boston University and Minnesota. Uh, what was that experience like going out west, and what was it like playing BU and uh, Minnesota, especially the Minnesota game? Because I, t- I think that game really helped your pairwise ranking, uh, being one of the top four seeds. Yeah, that I mean, first of all, it was just such a cool experience. Like, I am such a, like, Northeast person. I've, like, never been west of, like, Minnesota. So I was just like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, we're in Vegas. Um, And my team did a good job of, like, actually seeing Vegas. Like, we, like, walked around downtown and, like, did enough, like, Vegas things that I felt like it was, like, a good, authentic travel experience in addition to the hockey. Um, And then, obviously, yeah, that Minnesota game was – Probably, like, the peak of my college hockey career. I think it was just cool for me, like, as someone from New York City, like, not a traditional hockey area. Like, I always kind of, like, held those girls up on a pedestal. Like, oh, these Minnesota girls, they spend so much time, like, getting really good at hockey. And, like, they're all sick. And, like, to, for me to, like, pick Yale and then, like, it really came full circle, I think, in that game. Like, oh, like, I went somewhere and, like, made it to that level. And I think yeah. that was cool. East Coast hockey doesn't get enough love, at least at least out in the Midwest. <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts and I feel like outside of Minnesota we're probably either us or New York or Michigan are one of the better hockey states in the country. I don't know, I just feel like everyone talks about like that. I understand the Minnesota State high school hockey tournament's the best and I just feel like I wish there was like a tournament in the summer where it was like Massachusetts yeah. born players playing against Minnesota. Like that would be really fun. I don't know I don't think you can do it, but they should try to make that work. No, I agree. Um, I think Massachusetts hockey is obviously really good, too. Or at least New England players versus Minnesota. And we'll add Michigan yeah. as part of the <laughs> That would be, be I always want things like that. I think, like, sometimes the USA hockey stuff is more about, like, oh, we're trying to pick a team. And I always kind of wished it was more like, let's just get all the good players together and play games. Because I think that's just, yeah. like, what it should be all about. I'm pretty sure Canada does, like, stuff with like provinces yeah they do like that. they still i don't know why usa hockey doesn't try that out once in a while yeah i always they wish should, that in college too like they should have like a ecac all-star team a wcha all-star oh, team and like probably. play a game at the end of the season i think that'd be so cool or like or like college hockey all-star game where it's usa born players versus canadian born players and like have a series and like in april or sometime i don't know i think that would be cool as well yeah, there's just so many amazing players in college hockey that, like, it's any time you can, like, put them all together in one place, It's I think it's sick. <laughs> or do, like, Canada, USA, Europe. I forgot to mention Europe. I know you guys have a lot True. of good European players. We have so a lot of Europeans, them. actually. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, though, your senior year did not end the way you wanted it to. You lost to Clarkson in the ECAC semifinals in overtime, and then in the next game you lost to Northeastern in the regionals. Uh, even though those games didn't go your way, how have you handled those losses up to this point? And what will you take away from your Yale hockey experience that you think was going to help you out as an adult? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, those losses just kind of made me appreciate last year even more. Like, <laughs> I think I knew it at the time. Like, oh, it's like not a, like you're not going to make the Frozen Four every year. And to make it once in your career, I think is so cool. Um, so we didn't make it back this year, but I'm like so grateful that I got to have that experience at all. Um, and I think like looking back on my college career, like personally and team wise, I think I like basically accomplished everything I could have like dreamed of accomplishing. So I am like, despite those losses, I'm not like leaving with any regrets or leaving with like any boxes that I haven't checked. So that's like pretty cool. Um, and at the end of the day, like I got to play on teams that got progressively better every year, which I think is like such a rare experience. Um, and I'm sure like everyone in my class feels the same way. Um, yeah, I mean, hockey teaches you so many life lessons. I can't even like 
verbalize most of them, but just like teach you how to work hard and like um, be a good teammate. And I'm definitely going to carry those things into like jobs that I'm going to have, whether that's in hockey or outside of hockey. I remember the UConn men's hockey coach once said he has four goals for his players. It's to graduate, become better people, become better hockey players, and to win trophies. And you accomplished all that. So that's yeah. sort of what you want to get out of your college hockey experience. No, that's such a good way to put it. Um, and I, that's how I kind of see my experience. Like, and I, I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm leaving Yale with a degree and that's kind of what it was all about for me all along. So regardless of the hockey, like I achieved that and I'm very proud of that. Well, since you are retired, who, is, who do you got winning the Frozen Four? Obviously, this is this podcast is going to get released after it, so this opinion yeah. might uh, age very poorly or age very well. Um, I'm going to go with Minnesota, I think. I was impressed mm-hmm. when we played them. I think they're deep. Um, I think Ohio State's good, but I don't think they're as good this year as they were last year. Um, and honestly, I wasn't that impressed with Northeastern in our game against them, despite the fact that they have a couple players that are very, very good. Um Wisconsin's the wild card, though. I think they're good. I don't know. I never saw them this year, so I don't really know. They've been playing their best hockey at the right time, so that helps. Yeah, and they do have good players. Um, I think Minnesota's just a little bit deeper, Um, but we'll see. I think any of the teams win. It's four really good teams. Yeah, I think Ohio State's going to win because even though they lost a lot of key veterans from last year, they still brought back uh, Emma Malte from the Olympics, who, in my opinion, is one of the top players in the WCHA. And they added McKenna-Webster off the transfer portal, so I think those two players really helped. Ohio State offensively and then but I feel like I want to see Northeastern win just because it'll be a new team East Coast I don't know I just want to see I want to see new programs win uh so that's sort of what who I'm rooting for uh, in a weird way but honestly any team that wins that's fine but I think Northeastern will be a cool story just because of what the program's done to get to this point yeah I agree I have a lot of respect for Northeastern and I do deep down always cheer for the Eastern team <laughs> so <laughs> I am probably rooting for them too well, it'll be a tough game. I think they got Ohio State. So wh- whoever wins that game will, I guess, be the one I'm sort of will be interested to see what happens in the championship game. Uh, but we're now in the segment I like to call the non-hockey segment, where I ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, so we talked about style. Who has the best style on the team? Obviously, is it Caitlin? Yeah, it's Caitlin. <laughs> I would like it to be me, but it's not. <laughs> one yeah. day I'll get there. <laughs> All of your teammates that I've had on said Caitlin. So yeah. once you do that's so good, I've never seen any of your pregame outfits. I feel like she just, like, has an individual style, which I think is important. Like, she doesn't wear the outfit you would expect people to wear. Um, and I think, like, a lot of people who are, like, best dressed kind of, like, take it in the same direction, for better or for worse. And I think we appreciate that Caitlin kind of has her own quirky individual style, which also looks really good. Who's the funniest on the team? That's a good question. Um, maybe Kirsten. Kirsten good. <laughs> She's very, like, just will do anything and say anything, um, and she makes us all laugh. Which teammate would take the longest to respond to any phone calls or text messages that you send them? Also Kirsten. <laughs> what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? This has been a good week. So I'm on break. I haven't been on break in, like, ages. So I've been going to a ton of movies. I think that's, like, something that I don't get to do in college a lot just because there's no time to do it. So best movie I saw this week was Everything Everywhere All at Once, which it's crazy that I hadn't seen that yet, but I hadn't. Um, and obviously just won the Oscar, so I was like, I need to go see that. Um, and it was very good. It met my expectations. I have not been to the movie theater in years. I'm I'm a huge sports guy, so I usually don't like watch TV or movies sh- movies or TV shows that much. But I know that I guess this was sort of tied into this question. But they're making a Robert Oppenheimer like biopic with Christopher Nolan, and that looks pretty interesting. I'm a huge fan yeah. of. Uh, um, I forgot the act. He plays. Um, he's in um, Peaky Blinders. I forgot his name, but the main character in that I really like him a lot in some of the stuff that I've seen. So. Um, that's that's something that I'm interested in seeing in July when it finally comes out. Yeah, Christopher Nolan is elite. All of his movies are good, so I'll probably see that. It's so it, like that's such an easy thing to do in New York City. We have so many movie theaters, so it's like I just spontaneously can decide to walk down the street and go to a movie, which is nice. Yeah, what's the best diner in New York City? 
It's such a, like, person, like, I just like all the places that are local to me. Like, I have a bagel place that I go to. It's called Jumbo Bagels, that I think is the best bagel in New York, which nobody else would agree with, but that's, like, the bagel place, like, down the street from my house. Um, so I have a diner that is, like, two blocks from my house that I usually hit up. Um, it's like diners are pretty consistent in New York. You can pick any diner and sit down and have a great breakfast. I like how quick it is, too. The one thing I can't stand yeah. about the West Coast is how slow everything is. Like, in New York, it's that, which I love. I'm I'm, I'm not a patient person, so. Yes. Whenever I go anywhere else, I feel like, even just, like, when I'm at school and I'm walking with people, they're like, you need to slow down. Why are you so fast? <laughs> I'm like, no, you need to be faster. Like, that is such a great thing about New York. It just, like, has a pace of life that I really love. You could have lunch with anyone in the world. Who would it be and why? That's a hard question. Um, I think my answer would be Buck Showalter, the manager of the New York Mets. I'm a huge baseball fan, surprisingly. Most hockey I am players. too. That's super weird. <laughs> um, but I'm also just really interested in, like, kind of coaching and the philosophy of coaching. And I think he would be an interesting person to talk to as someone who has just, like, many years of experience doing that. I'm a huge baseball fan as well. People wonder what I do during the offseason when I'm not watching college hockey. It's watching baseball. It's the complete That's opposite. What I do. So, <laughs> Every um, single day, I always have the Mets on in the background while I'm doing. How do you become a Mets fan? I'm being from Manhattan because it's sort of like either Yankees yeah. or Mets. You pick Mets or Yankees. Um, I think I always picked Mets just because it was cheaper. Like I would go with my friends, you like get a ticket in the upper deck for like six bucks and just hang out, um, which you can't really do with the Yankees. So I think that was how it started. Um, and I think my dad was a Mets fan, so it was passed down from generation to generation. Also, what's your thoughts on Edwin Diaz having his knee surgery that's ended uh, end of the season? Bad thoughts. <laughs> um, it's I, I think the World Baseball Classic has been so cool, and I'm a big fan of it. I think it's, like, yeah. so cool to see how the different countries are, like, so passionate about baseball in different ways. And now everyone's, like, pointing to that as, like, oh, we shouldn't have this tournament. It's bad for the game, which I think is, like, kind of sad. Um, obviously bad for the Mets, but hopefully we have enough bullpen depth to get through the year. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to blame the World Baseball Classic because that could have happened in a spring training game, too. So you just never know. It's why I want the NHL players to go to the Olympics because, like, you can get hurt whenever you want. But I think it will be cool. I think it's better for hockey for the best players in the world to play in an international competition every, like, three years. Yeah, it's good for the game. And I think the players, like, love it. Um, They do. At least. And I assume the hockey players would be the same. Like, I think any time you can represent your country in sports is very cool. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, they will definitely probably be better than my Boston Red Sox. Uh, yes. Tough offseason, uh, losing Xander Bogarts, but, you know, we re-signed Rafi, and hopefully um, Haim knows what he's doing, and we find some diamond in the rough players. But I'm not confident in our pitching staff to get us far this season, but we'll see what happens. That's fair. Um, the Mets are rich now, so life is good. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, though, I love how baseball is adding the pitch clock, and uh, and the, they're playing every team this year, which I think is cool, too. Yeah, I yeah. always hated that we only only could play, like, the Orioles, Yankees, and Blue Jays, like, 50 times a year. And always, like, can we play other teams as well? Yeah, I want to go see, like, Mike Trout when he's in town. <laughs> There's yeah. just certain players you, like, never got to see because they never came. Yeah, so I'm going to try to see Shohei if he pitches against the Red yeah. Sox because that's like once in a lifetime thing. I got to go try to do that once. That's my plan for April because that's when they're coming. That's sweet. And then I'll also see the Mets as well. That's That was also my uh, wish list for games because I want to see uh, Lindor. He's one of my favorite players. So He's very cool. He's probably my favorite player in the Mets. So I guess I, to answer that question, I'd say for baseball, Rafi Devers, I, I don't know if he speaks any English, but he seems like a cool guy, so I like him a lot. So either him or, since we're talking New York, Jerry Seinfeld, that, I feel like he's the king of New York, and Matt's fandom as well. Yeah, that's a good answer. Well, getting back to some hockey questions now while we wrap up this interview, uh, for all the younger people listening to this pod, uh, what uh, advice would you give them on what it takes to be a comma Division One college hockey player where you were just the last week? I think my biggest piece of advice, um, this has probably come across in a lot of my answers, I mean, you just have to be true to yourself and, like, just play hockey because you love it and not, like, go crazy trying to get to D1. I think, like, the best mentality to have is just, like, hockey is fun. It's a great way to make friends and learn life lessons. And, like, if it takes you places, it takes you places. And if not, it's okay. Like, there's other things that are just as cool and will get you where you want to go. Um, so people always ask my family that, like, whoa, like, you have two kids and I'm in school. It's like, how did you do it? And we were kind of like, 
we didn't try to. And I think that's like the key to it. Um, you have to just do it because you love it and it's going to work out or not work out. And you can't be like too crazy about it, I think. And if it doesn't work out, at least you had a fun time and a good experience. And that's something you can take away with you for the rest of your life as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, my sister doesn't play college hockey, obviously, but like she got very, very similar things out of hockey as my brother and I did. And she still goes to a great school and plays club lacrosse there, um, which is, I think, just as cool of an experience. So it's, it, like, all works out no matter what. Well, do you have any shout-outs you want to give uh, to any of your family members, teammates, friends? Uh, uh, who should we interview next uh, from Yale? Uh, feel free to let us know. But, uh, yeah, the floor is all yours for anything you want to say. Uh, yeah, obviously, thanks to my family. Um, I think I couldn't have done any of this without them. They were, they made some crazy sacrifices for all of us, um, with the driving and everything. So just thanks to them. And, uh, I don't know. I think Yale's got a lot of good people you could interview. I'll have to think about that a little bit more. I feel like we gotta get Caitlin on to talk about her style. Yeah, she would be a good one. Um, you could, hit some people up in our sophomore class too our sophomore class has some characters and there's a lot of them i think there's like 15 because that was like the double covid class um yeah so there's some good people in that class who would thrive in a podcast like emma harvey um or like emma Ducard. we had her on she i should <laughs> yeah no she was she was a wonderful person and legit like i learned so much by talking with her just because of like being in Canada during COVID and how she sort of like found a way to sort of stay consistent and translate that to college hockey is, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. She's a really nice person. Um, and yeah, it's definitely interesting talking to the Canadians. I always find that interesting just because I think their experience mm-hmm. of hockey is very different from the experience a lot of Americans have. So we'll definitely reach out to more players because you guys have a lot of good ones. So, uh, but thank you. Em- uh, thank you, Emma, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time, it means a lot to myself. Um, it was wonderful getting the chance to talk with you today, and you were such an amazing player to watch, and congrats on all of the success that you had in college hockey. I saw that you were ma- named to the second team and All-American as well, and that's just a testament to all the hard work that you've put in in your college hockey career. So uh, if hockey's in your future, I wish you nothing but the best with that, but if you decide to move on to different things, I wish you nothing but the best with that. All I know is you're going to have success in whatever you decide to do. And um, this, it was a pleasure getting the chance to watch you play for the last four years. Thank you so much. And thanks for doing this podcast. I think any exposure is good exposure for women's hockey. So this is huge. This love affair